This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. And today we're talking season six, episode 13, lucky number 13, mm-hmm. Saul gone, because it's all gone. It this is. is the season and series finale. Uh, Alexis. Yes. Before we start, let me say this for everybody. Mm-hmm. I have not yet listened to the Breaking Bad Insider for the finale mm. for two reasons. One, I did not want my opinion to be influenced by the creator's own interpretation of their work. Because I think, boy, the end of this is open to some interpretation. And we'll yeah. get there. Yeah. And two, it's probably just a lot of name checking and backslapping. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, if there's ever going to be an episode of that podcast that I don't probably need to listen to. Before I podcast, it's this one. Also, we're going to be doing a wrap-up podcast next week, so yeah. it'll be nice to leave ourselves a little bit of fodder for uh, that. Sure, and I will get to that podcast this week, just to hear what they thought of their own work. Uh, but I have not listened to it. That said, Alexis, what do you think of this episode? I didn't listen to the Insider podcast for the same reasons. <laughs> not because I just didn't. <laughs> uh, what what can you say about this episode? It, to my mind at least, it delivered more or less everything I wanted. Gotcha. And that's saying a lot. So. Oh yeah, you I'm have any expectations for this episode? No, I had no expectations, which I think is usually the the way to go for totally. the ending of anything or for anything really. Just like expect to be entertained, and sure. you're probably going to be good, and that is what happened to me. But I also. I feel like I got a good resolution, a resolution that mm-hmm. feels fair, but also not totally cruel in the same, at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think I largely agree with that. I have an interpretation of the final scene, but I kind of want to <laughs> wait until we get there Yeah. to talk about like where we leave Jimmy and Kim and how we feel about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's something to look forward to in this podcast, but <laughs> I, I really thought this episode is a textural masterpiece. Like every element of Better Call Saul kind of came together in this one episode, every element of the entire series, like mm-hmm. the the quiet reflection in the beginning, the the action that, that immediately like picks up the comedy with especially bringing about bill oakley uh (laughs) that was a fantastic move i thought um there's the comedy there's the tension that this show always has like every yeah every scene was like a different flavor of better call saul that all worked to serve as like a really good this is the show in a nutshell thing for me um and i was i was thoroughly impressed by this episode Nice. Me too. I enjoyed it. It was good to. It was a good send off. I think. 
Yeah, absolutely. Re- I absolutely agree with that. Even on the second watch, I think I enjoyed it even more the second time. Just catching all the little stuff. And there's a lot of stuff that, you know, we kind of gave them grief for in the last <laughs> several episodes. I mean, last week we really liked a lot, but the, the couple before that, it was like, man, do you really need to be doing what you're doing here? And I think ultimately looking back at it, it makes more sense. I will still say I was not super enjoying it in the moment, mm-hmm. um, even though those scenes individually were fun to watch. I was like, what does this all mean? Why do I care about this? at this juncture. Um, So I don't like retract everything I said about it, but I definitely think it adds texture to this season finale. It does. It does. That, you know, it's not even that you need the, the things that it added Mm because like you could pick up almost everything. I I think the one essential thing it does is sort of shows you that Saul Goodman was a big part of why Walter White ever got anywhere because that's essential to believing him for for everything he's going to say in this final episode but it's more that it's just like a recap for people um you know a way to say like hey these are all the things that you could have picked up if you have the series fresh in your mind completely but we're gonna go ahead and recap all that stuff for you um Mm -hmm. in a new and fresh way right but uh this is all stuff that like you already kind of know about jimmy or saul but we're going to give it to you here at the end again to reinforce the themes that we're about to go into and the decisions that Jimmy's about to make mm-hmm. um, so that you don't have to have come off a fresh rewatch of the entire show to really feel this ending. Right. And give the opportunity for a couple of cameos. Because why not? Sure. Yeah. And those were great cameos. <laughs> they I mean, were. Yeah. Seeing Michael McKean back this episode was so good. Yeah, that was nice. I I really enjoyed the first half of the show. Yeah. Oh, me too. It's some of the best stuff uh, in a great show. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing Walter White back was also <laughs> very cool. Uh, and more is Heisenberg, right? This is like oh yeah, end this of is like Breaking Bad stuff. Heisenberg. This is him having beef with everybody for breathing <laughs> and existing, basically. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I felt like this was a great finale for a pretty great show. Agreed. You ready to move on to the recap? I guess so, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. FX is adapting James Clavell's best-selling novel, Shogun, into a 10-part miniseries this spring. Set in the Shogunate period of Japan at the turn of the 15th century, Shogun depicts the rise of a feudal lord to Shogun, as seen through the eyes of a shipwrecked English sailor. It's loosely based on the real-life exploits of William Adams and Tokugawa Ieyasu. Shogun has already been successfully adapted back in 1980 with a widely acclaimed miniseries starring Richard Chamberlain, featuring intricate plots, political scheming, complex characters, and thrilling action. This time, husband and wife team Justin Marks and Rachel Kondo try to recapture the successes of the novel and early adaptations while increasing the levels of historical and cultural accuracy that are often perceived as flaws of this and similar works. Starring Hiroyuki Sanada from The Last Samurai, Mortal Kombat, and John Wick 4, with Cosmo Jarvis of Peaky Blinders, Raised by Wolves, etc., joining the truly massive cast required to bring this complex world to life. Join Aaron and I each week as we deep dive into each episode, uncovering the mysteries, the intrigue, and the glory of Shogun. Shogun premieres on FX Hulu Tuesday, February 27th at the two-part debut. Our podcast will release each Thursday thereafter. Get our Shogun coverage by searching for Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. 
Nick. How you doing, buddy? You... you don't know what it's like out there. Hey, man, d do you even know what it's like out there? N no, n not really. I've been mostly kind of flying around in helicopters, carving likenesses of Michonne into cell phones, that kind of thing. What is it like out there? Oh, well, I think it's time to find out, man. Last I saw your wife, Michonne, was out uh, following a giant wagon train. That, that sounds pretty weird, but it seems like a family-friendly outfit. I mean, she's got RJ and Judah with her, right? Um, actually, she kind of left them to be raised by... Negan and Daryl. Well, crap. Hold on, let me get my boots. All right, well, Rick is getting ready. Aaron and I are too. We're preparing to once again recommission the Watching Dead out of mothball status to find out what's going on with Rick and Michonne, the ones who live. The six-part miniseries premieres Sunday, February 25th on AMC, and we'll be ready with our full episodic coverage each Tuesday. And afterwards, who knows? Maybe we'll check out Dead City. Find our coverage for The Ones Who Live by searching for The Watching Dead or Bald Move Pulp wherever you listen to podcasts. So we cold open, in color, in the desert with the esteem. Uh, Mike and Jimmy find a reservoir, I guess, is what you would call that, and have a somewhat sincere heart-to-heart -heart about time yeah. machines. You know, before we get too far into this scene, yeah. I, I want to talk about the recap that previously on, because, you know, as far as recaps go, no, if, sure. this, if what they were doing in those other two episodes was recap, well, this is explicitly that. Uh, I liked how they put the line about in the phone call where, you know, Jimmy says we're both too smart to throw our lives away for no reason. And then this plea deal that he gets later in the episode and then his decision at the end to like throw that away and throw his own life away. Essentially mm -hmm. he does it for a reason. I, I've, I found that like a real contrast to like throwing his life away for no reason. He threw it away for the only reason for mm -hmm. him, which is the only reason left. Yeah. Yeah. Which we'll talk about at the end, but sure. um, I just noticed that in the previously on. Yeah. Uh, as far as the first scene goes, we don't often see the desert in other TV shows outside of like westerns, mm -hmm. and I gotta say I'm gonna miss it. Uh, the the yeah. landscape, the the feel that you get from the location of this series is pretty unique. It is. I I always like desert imagery. It feels there's something very clean about it to me. Hmm. Okay. If that if that makes sense, like the the sight lines are pretty open. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, I don't know, it's clean. There's no, I guess there's just no mud anywhere. Is that, is that where I'm <laughs> that going? The bugs are hidden at least. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. There's no signs of real life. That too. There. Yeah. Um, the, the starkness of it. I like that. Yeah. And I won't miss it too. Me too. But I love all the, <laughs> all the things about this scene, uh, this, there, there are a couple of final indignities that he's going <laughs> to suffer in this episode, mm -hmm. and coming back to this scene with the pee bottle hanging from his neck is one of those. Yeah. Oh, and this fool, and I don't know how you would do this. I guess you'd have to like scoop the water out with your hand and then put it in the bottle. He just rinses his bottle right in that thing that Mike is then going to yeah. have to be filling his water bottles out of after. Oh, uh, yeah. <sighs> what a dick. <laughs> wait a second. Wait. Hey. No. Yeah. You let me go first, you pee boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I hope he rinsed it a few times, not just once. Ugh, disgusting. Uh, so this conversation about time machines, this will be the first time this comes up in the episode. I guess it only comes up twice, right? Three times? Twice. Uh, twice, once with Three Mike and once with Walt. a book reference. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah, I, I really like that book, but we'll, we'll <laughs> get there. The placement of that book anyway. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, of course, Mike gives a sincere answer because he's not a turd. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Saul is in his denial phase, so he talks about stocks. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a money guy, and Mike's a cop and a family guy. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I was curious about some of these dates, because he says, like, the one he'd go back to is when he, the day he took his first bribe, 1965. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, not 65, 1980-something. Um and then there's people we'd like to check on in five or ten years, which to me was his son, Maddie, maybe? Probably. See how he's doing. Um, his son, but Maddie, then, and also the other cops that were probably dirty at the same time. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they got taken down or something and he didn't. I don't know. Yeah, because that's the thing. That's the thing with Mike's background is that for anybody who's forgotten, uh, he took bribes as a cop and that mm-hmm. is kind of what led him down this path this bad choice road yeah and he mentions another date december 8th 2001 which i assume was the day maddie was not the day maddie was killed but the day that that phone call happened with yeah. maddie where yeah. he told him to take the bribe mm-hmm. um that's all i can assume because it's like three years before where we are now or you know the end of like the Jimmy era, right. Better Call Saul. Um, so it must be around that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. We, I guess we get some kind of joking confirmation that Jimmy did consider <laughs> taking the money and running. Yeah. I don't know how strongly he actually considered that, but... I don't know. This This brought me back to season one. No, no. I think the very beginning of season two, maybe the first scene actually um, where Jimmy goes through the, the parking garage gate and he pulls up next to Mike and he says, I had a million and a half dollars in my hands or whatever. And I let that go. I'm never making that mistake again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now here he is with even more money and the money he's talking about, you know, having after all said and done is this like just over a million or whatever. So, so it really brought me back to that scene and yet here he is again letting that money go. Yeah. I I don't know how to, to square that circle. Because <laughs> um, he does make the same mistake, but I don't view it as a mistake. It's not a mistake. Also, the stakes, I feel like, are way higher. He mm-hmm. has a much better idea of who he's dealing with at this point than maybe he did before. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Kettleman's couldn't do anything to him. <laughs> Kettleman's. Um, also... I just want to take a moment to kind of give kudos to the production team for being able to so convincingly reproduce these scenes or these like the tail ends of these scenes that we've already seen before. They did it multiple times in this episode Mm -hmm. where the settings, they look just like exactly like they did before. The the actors look just right. Like Jimmy is sufficiently sunburned. (laughs) Uh His lips are peely, you know, all the details are spot on and that really helps sell the 
the time jumps. Yeah. For me. Absolutely. You can only do so much about like aging. <laughs> of course. With with these like deep flashbacks, like sure. the the Breaking Bad stuff from yeah. last episode. But or the episode before, but yeah, what what can you do? Yeah, but everything else is spot on. It's great. Mm-hmm. Got anything else to say about Mike and Jimmy in the desert? Nope. All right, let's move on. So we cut to Gene on the run. He goes by his house to grab his saw box. Then his path eventually leads him to the world's juiciest garbage dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I really love the desperate fumbling for a way out here. You know, yes. he's got this cupboard full of phones, which I find hilarious. <laughs> Uh, that he goes to pick one out of. He goes running to the dumpster out the back door, um, ends up in this disgusting dumpster, and I think he's going to try and call the vacuum guy. I think so. The disappearer yeah. again uh, from this dumpster, but the <laughs> clamshell case gives him away, and which also, dumpster gross. Clamshell case, even grosser. Yeah, I thought that was a beautiful touch. A beautiful comedic bit of fuckery. Yeah. <laughs> They're the worst. I hate clamshell cases. They are the worst, and it takes them down. Uh, but yeah, I, I I really enjoyed seeing him desperate mm-hmm. in this moment. Desperate in a way that we haven't seen him be probably for a very long time. I can't remember when the last time his ass was in this much trouble. Yeah, I mean... A, and actively a, on the run. Been a while, especially because most of these episodes in the final half here have been Gene episodes. Mm-hmm. Fully half of them at this point. Um, so yeah, you don't see him really on the run. I mean, he's always on the run, right? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's uh, Saul Goodman is a man on the run, literally mm-hmm. from his own feelings. True. Um, but yeah, I, I this desperate, I I like it. I do too. They really. They really leaned into the the goo aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Whenever he finally stands up with the cops surrounding him, there's just stuff dripping off his elbow. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. It's like the slime from, uh, I don't know, Job of the Hut's food or whatever. What's the worst uh, dumpster scene? This one or the one at Sandpiper Crossing? Oh yeah, because that one about he gets one. like fresh. <laughs> fresh yeah. diapers dumped on his dirty oh, diapers dumped on his head and man i don't know i don't <laughs> i don't know what's worse the goo you know or the goo you don't mm, yeah. yeah mystery goo is pretty mystery bad. goo is pretty bad if i imagine a nation can go pretty dark places with mystery goo <laughs> i mean dirty diapers are no Disgusting. good don't get me wrong no but at least again at least you know what it is mm-hmm I don't. I don't know what smells worse: uh, fresh, like human shit, or food leavens that have been cooking in the Nebraska sun for weeks or days. The biggest indignity of it all, though, is that he then almost certainly met the person whose dirty diaper he had dumped on his head. Right? Oh, it's <laughs> because yeah, he sure. became the lawyer and friend of all those people. So it's true. I don't know if he could pick them out of a lineup based on smell, color. Why would you want to? Perhaps taste. I don't even know. Hey, but... no. Hey, no. <laughs> he definitely met the the culprit. He, yeah, you're right about that. He's never going to meet the mystery goo guy. I'll just say that. He won't. Is that better? 
I don't know. This <laughs> went to no a idea. this went to a gross place. It's my fault for calling the world's juiciest dumpster. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, diamonds, diamonds, right, right in the trash. Yeah, that's such you a think bummer. The cops got him. I don't know. I mean, probably right. They would have to go through and find all the documents that he dumped. So yeah. Yeah, I suppose they'd probably search evidence, his right? location where he was, where he yeah, was found for especially evidence. Especially if yeah. there's like just a a semi clean shoebox surrounded by Saul Goodman documents. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In cash. In cash. Yeah, they'd have to search. Well, those went into somebody's pocket. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh there was one thing that I noticed. I don't even know if this is real or not, but it kind of tickles me to imagine that it is. But uh, when he's crawling out of that weird low window from his apartment, uh, that zigzaggy sidewalk that he has to like juke on when he's <laughs> running out, yeah, very strongly resembles the Wexler McGill logo from back when they were trying to be together but separate. Yeah, law offices. No, I'm glad you you pointed that out. I didn't want to steal your thunder there, but I was hoping you would because <laughs> I find that super interesting. I think like yeah, I was wondering if that's why he chose that apartment specifically. Yeah, could be. Could be. It was an interesting touch. Good observation. Uh, worst sidewalk ever. Oh, yeah. Number one, those points are probably going to break off like immediately. I can't believe they're still intact with all the snow and ice that they get. What's well, a stupid and also, design for apartment good for building. walking. Like, what, what are yeah. we doing? We're putting giant windows jutting out of the sides of these buildings into the walkway? Yeah. Of course bizarre. that's going to break the walkway. You got oh, Yeah, I don't know whoever designed that, but... They're an idiot. And it, was, and it was an inelegant solution with the sidewalks, but also yeah. it, gave her, it gave us Wexler McGill, so I'll take it. Uh, oh, and there's another thing, the the music. <laughs> well, he's on the run, especially in this alleyway. It reminded me so much of Hitman, especially with the intensity, like when he notices people mm. searching for and the music suddenly gets a little bit more intense. Mm-hmm. It's just like Hitman, minus the, the hitting, I guess. All right. Minus yeah. the soup cans. Soup right. cans and nickels. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, anything else here? All right. So we follow Gene to jail, where he makes a couple of improbable phone calls and has a little time to reflect on the absurdity of his situation. Mm-hmm. Calls Cinnabon. Calls Cinnabon. <sighs> his one call, and that's what he. That's what he defaults to. I find this sweet. <laughs> Not in a Cinnabon way, but in like a caring about him, his employees kind of way. This, yeah. Like I can guarantee if Gus ever got arrested, he'd call Lyle and say... That's why it freaked me out so much. Or not freaked me out, but that's why it gave me a little bit of pause. Because I, I did not expect mm-hmm. for he and Gus to be similar in this way. Yeah, I didn't expect him to give a shit at all about the Cinnabon employees. But I guess every time we've seen him interacting with them, he does seem to care about them he's he's a nice guy to them he's respectful yeah yeah and who else who else does he have to call he has nobody <laughs> to call i mean kim he thinks yeah until he, he just sees made that a graffiti. phone call yeah and kim just That's told him true. to go fuck himself so yeah he's got nobody to call yeah he doesn't he doesn't think to call oakley until he sees the graffiti in the holding cell mm-hmm. <laughs> well let me ask you this yeah. speaking of phone calls there's no way in hell the disappearer does anything he just he doesn't even answer the phone when he sees well he's not going to see Saul's number right he's either going to see, see some random number yeah the cell phone the burner number or 
God forbid the jail number. <laughs> uh, that would be insane if he tried to call him from the payphone at the jail or yeah. the whatever at the jail. Uh, yeah, there's no way he would have taken that call. And even if he did take the call, he certainly wouldn't have taken the job. He would have taken the call, but not the job for sure. Too hot. Too hot. Literally at a dumpster. Could yeah. not be more hot. But not in the right way. Because <laughs> I got the feeling when he was, because he pulls out in a scene earlier, the card from mm-hmm. the disappearer and he's like reading it. And I felt like he was memorizing it mm. so that when he ran to wherever he was going to run, he could call them up, but not have that evidence on him sure. at the time. But then, but then immediately in that scene, he's opening the, or t- attempting to open the clam case. Yeah. So I thought he was going to try and call the disappearer, which would have done nothing. Like he's. He's not a guy who comes in and like gets you out of Yeah, he doesn't save uh, that you. That kind he, of pickle. He scoops you from a safe place. Right. From the side of the road or a safe house or At best he would have said, "Okay, meet us 12 miles away on the other side exactly. of town or whatever and we'll yeah. get you, but I'm not coming to where the cops are barricading streets." Yeah, no way. To help you out, man. No way. That was a that was a desperate maneuver from a desperate man. Yeah. Wouldn't have worked out. Let me ask you this. So the second person, you said, you know, he paces around in his cell a little bit. He sees this message about my lawyer will ream your ass <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> and suddenly he remembers that he is Saul Goodman mm-hmm. and that he can try and lawyer his way out of this. Why does he call Bill if he's just going to represent himself in the end? And when he calls Bill, he's not even like, I need you to be my defense attorney. He's like, I need you to be my assistant counsel or whatever. Why involve Bill in this at all? Is it a favor to Bill? Is it is it one last fuck you to Bill? <laughs> I mean, so Bill has no reason to accept these demands. So I don't I don't really know. That's a big question for me too. I is he trying to bring him in? to see this final truth-telling that happens later on? Is he, like you said, trying to help him get some, like, street cred or something with having worked with the Saul Goodman? I felt I felt like it was that. Well, it's not even, like, working with the Saul Goodman. It's, I mean, Saul Goodman is a high-profile criminal at this point. Mm-hmm. And people who work on, lawyers or attorneys who work on uh, high-profile criminal cases get a lot of notoriety both among their peers and even the public sometimes. Yeah. Um, And we know that Bill just started a private practice. It's, in my opinion, what he's doing is he is trying to boost Bill's profile. And he's doing it because he remembers being, uh, you know, Jimmy McGill, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Attorney at law or whatever, whatever his slogan was. I can't even remember at this point. (laughs) But he kind of like wants to help Bill out. Yeah, and also maybe just having a familiar face there with him to bolster his spirits in some way. Maybe. I don't know. Is uh, that a stretch? He doesn't seem that sentimental yeah, to me. Yeah, right. It's almost like, yeah, I, I just thought it was like, if you could be the guy that got Saul Goodman only seven and a half years sure. in jail for the stuff he did, you'd be a hero. You'd be a super lawyer. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I would believe that. I'd buy that for a dollar. Okay. He says to Bill that he's going out on top, which is hilarious in this situation. Mm-hmm. 
We cut back to Saul in a conference room. He has his charges read to him, invites a familiar face into the room, and hours later, manages to talk his way into a cushy plea deal. Hmm. Familiar face, you say. In the form of Marie. Is that Miss, excuse me, Mrs. Schrader? It is. It is the widowed Mrs. Schrader. Yeah, there's a moment in here where he responds to her and he starts off with Miss and then corrects himself to Mrs. So as not to like essentially throw her newfound widowhood into her face. Yeah. um, Which I liked that nice subtle little touch. Uh, Betsy Brandt is great in this scene. She's she is. She's the embodiment of impotent rage. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't want to like say that. Oh, the, (laughs) the Bill Oakley performance is a little bit thankless. Uh-huh. Because he is so good at what he does, that actor, uh, that, you know, it's indicative of how thankless that role is that I don't even actually know his name. Um, <laughs> but to me, the standouts in this episode are Bob Odenkirk at the top and then mm-hmm. Betsy Brandt, a very close second, just for this scene alone. She's so good. Yeah, her her face is really telling a story as she listens to the fucking humbuggery that's happening in front of her and the speech she delivers about hank and you know gomez and how you know they were on the side of of justice of of right um Mm -hmm. and you know you can say what you want about hank he's not (laughs) he's not as great a guy as she's making him up to be she's definitely putting him on a pedestal but i think you can be forgiven for that when your husband died like apparently a year and a half ago yeah absolutely um and the way she defends him the 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 emotion that she's giving off here is extremely strong and extremely justified in my mind um i don't know i I thought she did a great job in this scene i was impressed uh, with her just her character in general Mm -hmm. because marie can be a little a little impulsive shall we say she can be a little just emotionally unstable but she manages to keep it together that was a nice touch for this last scene that she's or not she's in another scene but she isn't saying anything so for her last spoken scene Mm -hmm. it's a nice send-off yeah the the other thing about her that i remember from breaking bad is that she is a bit of a firebrand yes um and if she says something isn't gonna be then it's not gonna be mm-hmm. um unless maybe you're skylar white maybe her sister can you know deal with her um or tone that down but here the i i was surprised to see that that the government because because they make that they make that point, right? Like Betsy Brand says, you are not going to negotiate mm-hmm. with this guy. You're not. And she folds her arms and she does the thing she would do with Hank and Hank would back down. But the government here does negotiate with him. Yeah. So I, it was nice to see that, that part of Marie come back up to the surface uh, through her sadness, but also it was ineffectual in a strange way. I'm not used to seeing from her. Yeah. Probably helps that that guy had, you know, six other people around him. If it, if, sure, it had just, sure. if it had been one-on-one, yeah, yeah. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. She's very fiery. True. Not even that fire can overcome the weight of the U.S. government. Oh, the crushing weight <laughs> of pseudo-justice. So it's seven and a half years, and 
a very good cell in a very good prison. Yeah, I was wondering if Saul could get away with the victim defense here. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've seen him do this in the past. We've seen him do this with the Chuck quote-unquote confession yeah. when he was trying to get his law his law license reinstated. Mm-hmm. Um, and that board just saw right through him. Yeah. They, they did not buy it. Um, so I was a little bit surprised that they backed down so much, but he's right. All, all he needs is one juror, right? If he can, Mm -hmm. and he is very good at convincing people of things, uh, and to do things. And if he can convince just one juror to hang this jury, then I, he's, I I doubt he's going to like go free for that. I think he'll just be on what perpetual trial. Yeah. I don't know exactly how it works, but I don't know either. It also helps that at least uh, physically, it's true. All those things did happen. Oh he, yeah, he, he was kind of a victim, but he was also a complicit victim. So yeah, and that's why I really love that that flashback with um, to his office with Mike, mm-hmm. where it's right after Walt and Jesse took him to the desert, and he says. Yeah, I think this guy is going to be big. Let, let's get in on it. You know, I <laughs> yeah. really want to work with Walter White. That's why that one was so important to me. Yeah, because it told you that he was the instigator there, mm-hmm. and and I kind of needed to know that going into this finale. Otherwise, I might have believed him. Right. Right. Yeah. I've seen all the terrible things he's done. <laughs> no, he he saw dollar signs. Yeah. And like he like he admits to at toward the end of the episode, uh, which we'll talk about when we get there, but. Yeah, multiple, just many, many different motivations happening. Um, so he's pleading, he's going to do a plea deal here mm-hmm. with the government, and they're going to give him seven and a half years, uh, but he's going to dictate where he wants to serve his term, and he picks pretty cushy prison, FCI Butner Low, I looked it up, it's in North Carolina. Sure, I guess the weather's good over there. Um it is a, it, it's called Butner Low, L-O-W, because it's a low security prison, mm. as opposed to where he ends up later, which is ADX Montrose, which is a supermax, a maximum security prison out which in Colorado. Is, which is the one that he super did not want to go to. Yeah. And the weather sucks, right? <laughs> yeah, Colorado, it's going to be sucks. snowing half the year. Uh, sure. You yeah. don't even get so the benefit of So he got the opposite weed. of what he wanted here. Yep. But he did get well. He doesn't. He doesn't get the ice cream, but he did pick the best flavor, mint chocolate chip. Hmm. I feel like I went hard on uh, what's that terrible stuff called last week? So mayonnaise. Um, excuse me, Miracle Whip. I went hard on Miracle Whip last week, so I will keep my silence on. <laughs> I know mint what you think. I know what you think. Chip. Hmm. Mm, 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 mm. So after it, this, trust me, she amazing. has opinions on mint chocolate chip. I've heard them many times. It's I'm one sorry. of my favorite flavors. It might be my favorite flavor of ice cream, and I don't care who knows it. That's fine. It's gross. That's fine. People can like gross things. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? You know what? Part of it is for me is that it looks like it's a very similar color to pistachio ice cream, which is amazing and maybe my favorite. 
Mm-hmm. And I see that that green and I get excited. Mm-hmm. And then it ends up being fucking mint chocolate chip. And I'm the opposite of excited. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. <laughs> we go back in time to the Breaking Bad era when Saul and Walter White are sharing a safe room in the Disappearer's place. Saul asks the time machine question again and still can't give an honest answer about regret. Yeah, so I find it telling that, you know, the the previous scene ended with him finding out that Kim is in trouble. Yes, that's and right. And then we go straight to a regret scene mm-hmm. where, you know, of course, he still doesn't come out with any of that stuff, right? Right. Um, he regrets breaking his knee one time. Right. right. Some botched slip and fall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I really like this scene. I think. Brian Cranston is excellent, of course. When has he not been? When has he been anything less than amazing in any of his performances as Walt? Mm-hmm. Um, but I particularly love how he just blows up. Like this, this question to him is as stupid as Jesse in the RV saying, "We're going to build a robot to get out of the desert, right?" Yeah. He's like, "No, you idiot! We're building batteries." <laughs> Yeah, similar, but much less deserved, I feel like. I'm like, just, why don't you just take a question at face value for once, you prickly fuck? Mm-hmm. Ugh, Walter White. What yeah. Turd. No, he's, he's a real shit. And, and I thought, like, okay, when he starts to open up about the regrets thing, right? When he says, all right, well, if you want to talk about regrets, so just save regrets. Mm-hmm. And then he goes into the Elian and Gretchen thing. Elian. Elliot <laughs> and Gretchen thing. And I'm like, okay, we're finally going to get to the heart of the fallout between him and Elliot and Gretchen. But yet again, we get his side of the story. Yeah. And I'm like, I think the fandom has done enough to connect what dots are there and fill in the rest with guesses and things that make sense based on their characters. Mm-hmm. For me to feel like I have a handle on what happened roughly but I kind of wish as in this last moment, in this last opportunity that we would have gotten at least a detail or two more that would have confirmed some of those ideas. That's Walt for you. Infuriating to the very end. Yeah. There are three pieces of evidence that I think are the strongest to suggest what I'm about to suggest, which is my understanding of what happened is that uh, both Walter and Elliot we're into Gretchen. Elliot won, if you want to, if you want to look at it that way. And Walt uh, was butthurt about it, so he left the company. Mm-hmm. Now, my three pieces of evidence: one, he says he did he did the gentlemanly thing and left. Mm-hmm. Whenever you talk about being a gentleman, it's always in reference to a woman. Sorry, it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Generally speaking, uh, two. There is a flashback scene in Breaking Bad mm-hmm. of Walt and Gretchen. He's like giving, I guess, a some kind of lecture just to her for some reason. They're talking about something, and then he's like, like tutoring her or something. Yeah, yeah and, and then he's like hard flirting mm-hmm. toward the end. He like is leaning very physically toward her. Um, it's obvious that that's what he's doing. He's heading on her. Yeah, I think he felt like some kind of <laughs> it's gross, but I think this is how he felt some kind of ownership over her. Probably. Uh, like he had called dibs on her. Yeah. When they were, I, I, they weren't even like students together. They were professor professor and student, right? Like he was. He was a grad student. I think he was a grad she student. maybe okay. wasn't quite a grad student yet. 
Gotcha. Or maybe okay. she maybe she was, and just the fact that she's a woman was enough for him to, because he's kind of like that. Honestly, he's a little sexist. Okay. Yeah, and, and because he had known her first or whatever. Yeah. Right? So then the third thing is the fact that we are introduced to Elliot and Gretchen and Breaking Bad as being married and mm-hmm. super together and having a super nice house and yeah. a super nice company. Those three things are what lead me to think that that is what happened. There yeah. was a weird, stupid love triangle, and mm-hmm. Walter White was Walter White about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the prevailing theory. Yeah. And this, you know, does nothing to change that, but I Mm-mm. wish it would have done a little bit more to fill <laughs> fill yeah. in that picture. Sure. Color it in. But I, I don't know. I mean, Walt, Walt artfully leaves out all the parts that make him look bad, right? Like he always yeah. does. He yeah. doesn't say, you know, when he got out of the company that they offered to take him back into the company and his pride made him say no. Yeah, even later on in the early Breaking Bad, they they mentioned bringing him back into the company mm-hmm. or at least like yeah that pool party on yeah his yeah at least there being some kind of like payout or something and he once again refuses to take it because mm-hmm. he is ego in human form yeah absolutely Pride. and, and so the prideful. the big standout thing here is he doesn't regret any of the meth stuff yeah he doesn't regret any of that stuff he's gotten people he killed he's yeah lost his entire family he doesn't regret any of that what he regrets is walking away from gray matter because that was a point of pride to him right like Mm -hmm. this company that he built i mean rightfully he did help build that thing from the ground up co-founded yeah now it's super successful and his ego is all hurt because he's not a part of it Mm -hmm. and elliot's getting the the reward and the the glamour i think he and saul are very similar in that way Oh, absolutely. I mean, I they're both It's telling at the very end of this scene what Walt says to Jimmy after or Saul whatever. <laughs> after he says like his biggest regret is some botched slip and fall that messed up his knee. Right. Uh, uh, forever ago and he says, "Oh, so you were always like this." And I'm thinking right back at you, Walt. Right. You were always like this. The only you, difference pride, is you, you kept it on the inside. And then you've got it. The only difference diagnosis. is, yeah, you weren't, you didn't have the opportunity to let it overwhelm you because yeah. you had other things that were forcing you into situations that like you couldn't even think about it, right? It, it's mm-hmm. like Jimmy with his, with all the stuff he does with Saul. It's just a distraction. Well, Saul, or sorry, Walt had legitimate distractions with a kid who was special needs. I was going to say, I really wonder how quickly after. Everything went down between him and Elliot and Gretchen. How quickly he met Skylar because she was a waitress. So it could have been literally any restaurant that he went to. And he saw a hot blonde waitress and macked on her and then suddenly found himself with a kid and then married. Yeah, Don't don't they go into that? Wasn't it like he did crossword puzzles every day for Mm -hmm. like a year and and he was always too scared to ask her out or whatever and then he eventually did it was it was a kind of cute story the way that they met i think the way but it was also probably tinged with grossness i can't remember (laughs) yeah who can say i mean we know that skylar is not like gretchen Mm -hmm. at all really oh it was tinged with grossness because he was telling the story at a time when skylar fucking hated him yeah and he was telling it as like this cute yeah, wasn't that the scene gross. where she she fucking walked into the pool? 
I, I think that think might have so. been that same barbecue. And that was yeah. with Hank and Marie. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. She's he's talking and nobody's <laughs> even paying attention to what she's doing. And she just very stone-facedly walks into the pool mm-hmm. and then stays down there. <laughs> yes. That was the grossness I was remembering. Yeah. Yeah. So right rough. back at you, Walt. Right back at you, Walt, you piece You've of shit. You've always been terrible. Always. 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 Uh, so next, we fast forward to the future again. To Saul and Bill Oakley in a plane. Bill tells him what happened with Kim and Cheryl Hamlin, and Saul realizes he still has one more bargaining chip, or at least that's how they play it in the scene. Yeah, so this is the beginning of this week's scam. Mm-hmm. Um, people thought, I've seen people say there was no scam this week, and I, they're not wrong. There's no scam, you know, there's definitely no montage scam, but there is a a scam going on there and is, it's on kim this time yeah there is there is uh jimmy twisting the situation to get what he wants yeah and it's a minor offense but it it does leave kim tapping her foot very nervous <laughs> about what he's gonna say um yeah yeah so the, so the idea here i, I don't know if we want to explain this whole thing yet maybe mm-hmm. we should wait till the court scene because i think that's where it kind of comes to a head. Yeah. But yes, this scene is not quite what it seems. He's not. Yeah. At first I was like, why would Saul tempt fate by saying stuff in front of an air marshal that could be incriminating or could get Kim in trouble? I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. It's a dog whistle. Until we get to the Kim. court scene later. Yeah. yeah. I think this is just, I think you're right. Him position, trying to position her, trying to get her to show up. The, the thing I love about it, though, is that Bill's reaction, because Bill thinks he's insane. Bill yeah. thinks you're like, you're doing all this to get mint chocolate chip ice cream for seven and a half years. Uh-huh. And he has such a low opinion of him that it, it plays. He's like, yeah, <laughs> right. maybe this crazy asshole would actually do. All right. All right, man. I'm going to yeah. go take a piss. Whatever. <laughs> I do think Kim would know that she's opening herself up to a civil suit with Cheryl right? she knows she that had to know. yeah she's smart enough I think but I think she's so, okay with it I think she's like maybe feels like she deserves yeah. it there's a lot of like I deserve this self self flagellation going on in yeah. this episode or, or even in last episode like you said with Kim mm-hmm. confessing I think that's in there yeah um, she has to at least put the possibility for punishment out there mm-hmm. before she's gonna feel good uh, okay about what happened yeah uh, Jimmy does the same thing in this episode. He, I think one of the reasons he throws away this plea deal is punishment. He feels he deserves some kind of punishment. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Especially, I think he had time to think between being on the run and seeing Kim's face again, mm-hmm. hearing her voice. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got a plan in this scene for sure. But he we'll does. Get there. Yeah. And then, well, very quickly we'll get there mm-hmm. so uh, after this we cut to Kim eating lunch with her boring fucking co-workers again <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry for the cussing uh, she leaves work early to volunteer at a pro bono office and then gets a call from Suzanne the Albuquerque ADA here's here's where I'm triggered <laughs> hmm. one birthday at Red Lobster is too many birthdays at Red Lobster I'm sorry I will take I, I would prefer that you just truck in a, a truckload of their biscuits hmm. to my house. Cheddar Bay. I'll take that. Sure. Uh-huh. But actually visiting, going into a Red Lobster? 
counter argument. Mm-hmm. If you've never been there before, mm-hmm. maybe that would be okay. But then once, once is okay. But, but maybe no not birthdays. after that. No birthdays at Red Lobster. Uh, okay, here's the pass you get. If you are <laughs> planning on taking someone to Red Lobster for their birthday, mm-hmm. A, they can't have ever been there before. Right. Because then they won't be a treat. They'll know what they're in for. Mm-hmm. B, you can't ever have been there before because mm. if you know what kind of place Red Lobster is and you willingly Why subject would you take someone a loved one on their birthday to that environment, sure, you are a criminal. <laughs> you deserve to be in a juicy dumpster. You do. You deserve to lose your diamonds in a juicy dumpster. That's yes. what Jim thinks. That's what, exactly what I think. <laughs> but their biscuits bring them on. Hell yeah. I've never been, so... I have no opinion. Well, I know what we're doing for your next birthday. (laughs) Mm, I don't have birthdays. I'm the only person who doesn't have birthdays. Weird. Mm, Strange. Uh, Do you think... You're lucky, because I have been to a Red Lobster. So I I know not to take you there. This was the voice of experience speaking. Mini Red Lobster. Christians love Red Lobster. I don't know why. Midwestern people and like... Midwest Christians fucking love Red Lobster. Yeah. Is it because it's like... It's the Cracker Barrel of the Sea is what it is. (laughs) The Cracker Barrel of Seafood is what Red Lobster is. Is it? Tell me I'm wrong. Do they have a bunch of kitsch on the walls? Oh, yeah. The whole theme is... Is there a separate little shop connected to it? Do you have to walk through the gift shop to get into the restaurant? No. Mm. No, they don't have gift shops at Red Lobster. I like the gift shop at Cracker Barrel. That's my little confession. Yeah, I always like the peg game. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds bad out of context, well, but yes, yes, yes. The, the pegging game, you say. <laughs> no, that's not what I said. The peg game. Oh, my God. Okay, this is a throwaway. I'm just going to say this real fast. Um, I saw somebody on Reddit say that there could be a Kettleman spinoff. Who would call it Better Peg Craig? (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. Anyway, yes, the peg game is fun. I do not remember how to play it, but I remember enjoying it as a young child with ADHD. You know the the In-N-Out burger? Burger. They're they're animal style. Do you know what that is? Uh, It's where they, they make the burger real sloppy. Okay, I was gonna say Real I've heard juicy. tell. I've heard tell of this. Yeah, they put all kinds of sauce and toppings on it and stuff. Mm. I would if if they're gonna do another spinoff of the Breaking Bad universe. <laughs> yeah, I want one focused on Los Pollos Hermanos called Lyle Style. Oh, nice. Yeah, where like he it. just manages a Los Pollos and scrubs an oven for six seasons. Would you watch that? No. Would you watch a show no. prominently featuring a cuck? <laughs> Lyle Style. He wor- he. So Saul's empire goes down. Saul's empire. Gus's empire goes down. Mm-hmm. Los Poyos is shuttered. He has to go to Red Lobster to get a job. Mm. Now he's making everything Lyle style. Nice. <laughs> That's the series. Trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of some joke involving spice curls, and I just can't get there. Mm. It's fine. <laughs> there doesn't need to be one. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> didn't need to be anything I just said, but it's there. <laughs> Nothing I said in the last three minutes needed to be said either, but (laughs) that's life, baby. (laughs) Anywho, uh, yeah, so we, this is definitely when she decides that she needs to go. She's got to go back to the ABQ. Kim does. Oh, yeah, I I hate, 
I hate the shot of Kim through that windshield with those palm tree reflections. Yeah. I, it's so ugly. Yeah. And and I don't know if that's the point that like this life she's living is just ugly and bad, but like it could be her her I, choice I, I of never... cardigan and shirt is pretty ugly and bad too. Oh yeah, and her hair was ugly and bad. And it's, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I've never been as offended by a shot, honestly, <laughs> as that shot. And I feel like it's intentional. I th- yeah, I think it's meant to obscure. I think we're, I think it's a little bit of a metaphor to how she has kind of hidden her light under a bunch of Florida ugliness. Sure. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just an trees. ugly shot that happens. Mm-hmm. There's one other thing in this scene that it's not quite as ugly as that windshield shot. <laughs> But it's ugly, and it's a thing that they do from time to time. Uh, it ultimately doesn't matter, because I think we do eventually get clued into what he said. But this testimony involving Kim, when she gets the call from Suzanne, um, the the DA. ADA. Is she still ADA? Jesus. It's only been like a year, so maybe. No, it's been like six years. No, what? No, what? Since 2004, yeah. We're now in 2010. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just all the Breaking Bad stuff happens, and then all the Gene stuff happens. Mm. Now we're in 2010. Mm. Yeah, okay. Ugh. I've been watching too many things. I'm getting my my time jumps, time jumps mixed up. Yeah, so I, I'm a little annoyed that we don't get to hear exactly what she says, and I don't know the purpose for it. I still don't understand why they do this. It shows the beginning of the call, but not the end. Yeah. Yeah, they leave out the important details. And I I guess it's supposed to create tension, but I think there's more tension if you think that Jimmy is possibly going to blow up her spot. Mm-hmm. Now, the only, the only reason I could see that you wouldn't want to show it to us is if it's something just wildly untrue that as a viewer, we would know is wildly untrue. Right. But I would, I honestly, I would think that that would create tension too, because then you're like, why is Jimmy lying about all this stuff? Is he going to try and throw her under the bus to get his ice cream? That's disgusting. <laughs> That's so funny. That thought never even crossed my mind that he would actually do that. Not even for a second. Right, right. Because they don't, well, I don't know. It definitely crossed my mind when he said, like, hmm. yeah, there's stuff I have to unload on the, the government and it involves Kim. I'm like, is what is he doing here? Is this one last moment where he's going to continue to spiral dick. down and be yeah. terrible? That's fair. I am I must have missed the, the greater context of that in my, <laughs> gotcha. my idealism. Which, I, I mean, that's, yeah, that's perfectly reasonable to do because it's not super clear mm-hmm. i think i think this episode is playing you know tricks but yeah. uh, and i think it's well told it's just it takes a second to realize what's going on to be fair for this phone conversation i mean all uh suzanne would have to say is that he has testimony that involves you mm-hmm. because they don't they don't know obviously he's not going to give it before he isn't a place to give it. Yeah. So I don't know if there is actually anything else that they could have said. And I assume if you want to get like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> visually interesting, this is like a mirror of, or this, this is a parallel to what happened with her and Jean 
right? Like she said some stuff to him that we didn't get to see. Some somebody saying stuff to her that we don't get to see. It's about like what he said. Sure. So maybe there's like a you know full circle kind of thing here, but I it wasn't to my taste. Hmm. But it's like the only thing in this episode that I wasn't really in for. Gotcha. We try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at Bald Move. Just join the club. But some people aren't a joining type, or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage, or for a podcast that really spoke to them, or gave them that bit of support in a tough time. For these, and for whatever other reason you might have, our tip jar is always open. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click the donate option to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. Since the dawn of time, we've been putting clothes on our back that identify us with our people, our group, our tribe. And why Bald Move might be one of the smallest, weirdest tribes out there, transcending all concepts of border, class, culture, and creed, we still have respect for the old ways. At support.baldmove.com, you can get t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more. We have something for every one of our podcasts, or just wear the four pips of the Bald Move logo with pride. Bald Move merch beats running around naked, and they make a great gift for the Bald Move fan in your life. Join our tribe. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click on merch to start shopping. Mission podcasts are an awesome feature here at Bald Move that allows you, the individual listener, to decide what we talk about for a single podcast. The community loves it because it often leads to fun fan favorite films and TV shows that we've overlooked getting the coverage they deserve. And we love it because we're constantly exposed to great stuff that's not even on our radar. The way it works is simple. You go to support.baldmove.com and you click on commissions. Then you pay the flat rate for the commission and tell us what two-ish hours of content you'd like us to make podcasts on. Then we'll contact you for details, advanced feedback, and any dedications you'd like to make. Then we watch the thing, discuss the thing, turn it into a podcast, and pump it right into your ears. We get consistently great feedback on how much our commissioners love their podcast and they make great gifts for the dedicated Bald Move fan in your life. And who knows, that dedicated fan could even be you. Treat yourself. Check out support.baldmove.com for more info. Uh, Next, we follow Saul on his way to the hearing to discuss his generous plea deal. Saul starts to put on the same show he did for the prosecution, but then takes a hard left turn into the truth and finally tells everyone everything. Everything. Mm -hmm. Including Chuck's stuff. Incredible. What a turnaround. Uh... Let's talk about the less consequential stuff here. Mm-hmm. Bill. <laughs> yeah, Bill's shit in his pants. I visibly. love it. It showed time and he's still, yes. he's just terrorizing Bill at every chance, right? He's seeing, Bill's looking around at the lineup that he's against. Yeah. Like the, the litany of, of judges and, or not judges, of, of attorneys and on the government employees. side. Yeah. Uh, all of the victims sitting in the audience here. Um and then when 
Jimmy just starts unloading things like the way that <laughs> the bill reacts to that is just like yeah it's he's he's just blindsided by a truck here he is blindsided and then he's like fumbling but legally trying at every yeah. turn to get him to shut up to like and then he's trying to back out of it like can i can I not be here anymore? The judge is like, nah, you came in with this fool. You're Stuck in, in his case. At this point, I'm thinking Saul's just taking him down with him. Right. Like, was that the plan all along? It, and I don't think it was. But um, my other question about that is why is the petition to withdraw from this case denied? Is it because, oh, when you, you thought you had the upper hand, you were willing to defend this scumbag. Mm-hmm. Now that things are turning on you you want out you want to weasel your way out of this no no maybe no maybe it's no. just his face he's got he's got a weasel face <laughs> yeah he definitely he does he could be asking to go to the bathroom and it would still look like he's trying to weasel his way out of something yep and the way oh man the reactions from bill when when jimmy says with all due respect, Judge, I think I know the law better, <laughs> the law here better than you do. I'm like, oh my God, if you want to piss off a judge, tell them you know more than they do. Yeah, uh, I would think so. That would be, it was just outstanding, all of his reactions throughout this scene. It was fun. It was a, it was a delightful little fiasco to give mm-hmm. us right at the end of this thing. And then there's the other half of this. Yeah. Which is the much more serious, the much more interesting part of it. It's Jimmy throwing himself under the bus, not to save Kim, but to, I, I mean. To redeem himself in her not eyes. Not to save Kim, but yes, to, to salvage their relationship. The only thing that's ever meant anything to him, to salvage that, right? Release this is the regret. Life. Yeah. And then that's why I like how all of this stuff works together over the course of this episode and why one of the other things I really love is the next scene going to that with mm-hmm. Michael McKean. Yeah. Uh, right after this, he, he only really has two regrets. I think, mm-hmm. um, well, maybe Howard's <laughs> regret. Howard's probably a regret. Yeah. I guess he has a few. Um, but we get to see them all here, like back to back to back. Right. He talks yeah. about how, uh, you know, Howard got caught up in it and he didn't deserve it. All that stuff. Um, that's a huge regret for him. And then Chuck, obviously, uh, we see in the next scene, you know, how he's realizes that he could have tried harder, right? Um, and then the, the real thing that he's doing in this room is apologizing to Kim uh, and trying to, like I said, salvage whatever can be salvaged of their relationship. Let him let let Kim know that he is remorseful for the things he's done. He's remorseful, yeah, and just being emotionally vulnerable to her mm-hmm. for one of the very few times that it's ever happened, and about the things that she that were important to her too. And it's diametrically opposed to the way we saw them go out last episode, right? Yeah, where he's got his feet kicked up on his desk, not a care mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I don't know this performance from Bob Odenkirk is incredible. It's, it's not over the top. Mm-hmm. It's not out of character. It's like, it's, it's perfectly in character for Jimmy. He doesn't, yeah. he, he never gets around to feeling like this. And you know, now he's like slightly, and, and 
I love the moment where Bill interrupts him. He's like, just <laughs> let, let me get through this. I'm, I'm trying to do something here, Bill. Right. You have, you are so far out of your depth, man. It's <laughs> also, Donnie from the Big Lebowski, right? Also, do you not understand what's happening here? Like, it's a switcheroo. I switcheroo <laughs> you, right. I obviously. Switcheroo. <laughs> yeah, instead of the uh, defending the case of the century and getting your you know plea deal, you're going to now have it all turn around on you in the last moment and look like a fool. Yeah, yeah. he's still involved in the case, though. It's still going to raise a star, right? But he's going to look like an idiot, right? They had this great plea deal, and then suddenly his client goes off the deep end and... Well, how's that his fault, right? Yeah, I imagine it makes you look bad as a, a lawyer that you didn't have a better handle on the case. Sure. Got surprised by that. But more people will know about him. Mm-hmm. That matters. And the, the way they build up to it is so good, too, because I'm like... Okay, is Jimmy going to throw himself under the bus to save Kim? Is that going to be a thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he tries. He starts off with the same story that we saw him tell Marie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the prosecutor on, uh, you know, a few scenes ago. This big sob story, right? Like, all I got to get is one juror. He starts off with that. And I'm like, he's really going to try this on the judge. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> But he's not trying it on the judge, mm-hmm. right? He's about to pivot into, well, all that's bullshit. Yeah. Uh, Ray Seahorn also, <laughs> even though she doesn't say anything in this scene, her face is speaking volumes. Mm-hmm. And you can see, you can see the moment that she basically forgives him, or at the very least, she looks at him like he's a human again. Yeah. And, and that the- is after he talks about Chuck. Yes. He finally admits yeah. how he felt about Chuck and his part in what happened and his, again, his regret. He finally talks about his fucking regret. And right. That was and that's what it. she's wanted for three, two, two seasons now. Cause there's ever since his death, basically. Well, I remember the final scene of, I think season four it's when, well, it's whenever he gets his law license back mm-hmm. and you know, the, he goes to change his name and she's like, what? And he does the finger guns and says, it's all good, man. Yeah. That was, there was a moment there, an emotional beat there that I remember about her being shocked that he didn't actually believe anything or he didn't actually feel any of the stuff he said about Chuck Mm -hmm. that got him his law license back. It was all bullshit. And this is the exact uh, opposite, the exact like reversal of that, right? Yeah. Where now she sees, oh, he does actually, he did actually feel and believe all of that. Um, but in the moment, he was not the man who would admit that. He was reeling, yeah. He was reeling, mm-hmm. and then he continued reeling for about seven years until he finally pulled his head out of his ass. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is his turn back toward having a soul. And yeah. Kim sees it. An attempt, at least. And especially, like, the one of the things I appreciate about Ray Seahorn's performance here is how... The, the difference, the, the change between when she walks into this courtroom and when she leaves it. And like the, you know, the style of the show, they do a lot of show, not tell, you know, to various success. Um, but in this scene, they show her tapping her foot and it says like everything I need to know. Mm-hmm. It's like she's worried. Oh, fuck. What is what is this loose cannon? Where is this going? You know, save his own ass guy going to do now that's going to screw me. And halfway through the scene, she realizes, oh, that's not actually what he's doing at all. He's here trying to give me an apology. 
and he's going to, it's going to cost him his life, mm-hmm. like the rest of his life. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I don't know, seeing seeing the relief sort of on her face at the end of this was, <laughs> I'm such a softie. It was a little bit of a, like a, a balm to my soul. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, finally, a little, just like a hint of reconciliation. Yeah. I've always been probably way too invested in their relationship throughout this entire series. It's been one of the things that have, that's mattered to me the most. Yeah, no, me too. I'm, I'm a big fan of them together when things are good. Um, yeah. When they go, you know, off the deep end, not so much. Not so I, much. I think there's another element to this apology, and you know, like I said, throwing away the rest of his life in order to make this apology. I think that's necessary. Like, I think that's a crucial component of this apology is that he is going to suffer some actual consequences. truly egregious consequence. Yeah. And this is not. Because she comes into the room thinking he's trying to weasel his way out of consequences yet again. Mm-hmm. By the time she leaves, she realizes, no, he's thrown himself under the bus. And without that, I don't think I believe this confession from Jimmy. I, I, I take it right back to the Chuck thing that he did to get his law license back. Right. And I think he's just saying what he, what he needs to say to make me, to make me forgive him in it's this moment. Because he tears. wants, because yeah. he wants this relationship, not because... Not because he, not because he values the relationship, but because, well, he does, right? I mean, he always, mm-hmm. <laughs> he always does these things that end up hurting or affecting people because he wants to be liked, and part of being liked is having mutual feelings with someone, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not that he's not doing it for them, but he's mostly doing it for for himself. Here, that is not true. Yeah, that is completely not true. Yeah, normally. Uh, he, in, in much the same way as Walter White, is trying to maintain some kind of image of himself, at least as Jimmy. Mm-hmm. That's what he was doing, was trying to maintain an image of himself. But in this courtroom, he doesn't care about that anymore. Yeah. He's, he's willing to show his dirtiest, darkest feelings. He's willing to admit what kind of person he's been. Yeah. Instead of saying it's all good man on this be this person he's like no the person i was was bad yeah i'm gonna prove it to you i'm gonna prove that i understand that yeah not just that i'll say that but i understand Mm. that and And i I will accept the consequences for that yeah the only way to prove that i understand is for me to bring consequences down on myself absolutely so beautiful, beautiful courtroom scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's a hilarious thing too to me is going into this, you know, we joked about the giant montage that the finale episode <laughs> could be, which would suck. The other thing I thought might suck is trying to prosecute Saul Goodman for his crimes. And they figured out a way to make, and I should have known, right? Mm-hmm. This, I should have known. I should have just like looked at chicanery and said, no, <laughs> some the law stuff that they do in this is some of the most interesting stuff they do, period. They found a way in this finale to make the prosecution, the prolonged, drawn-out prosecution of Saul Goodman, super interesting and emotionally affecting. And also super short. And super short. (laughs) Very elegant. You're right. The real process, probably very long and drawn out. This episode, not. Um, Yeah. But I was shocked by that, honestly. I thought it was going to be something much more exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, 
not to say this isn't exciting because in a lot of ways it is. It's, it's very dramatic. Very dramatic. But yeah, I, I did not think we would spend the majority of the finale of this show inside of courtrooms. Yeah, but in some ways, uh, that makes a lot of sense for the show. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's where we started mm-hmm. and it's where we're finishing, much like that smoking scene later on. Yes. Yeah. It was really sweet. So, after this beautifulness, we go back in time to the first half of Better Call Saul, when Jimmy was still delivering groceries daily to his shut-in brother, Chuck. Mm-hmm. This is the I-could-have-tried-harder scene. Yeah. You did so much for him, man. You they did so much for him. You tried honestly. so hard. He did try so hard is the Just thing. Just not in the ways that matter. Not, not so. the real stuff. I guess so. You know, he brought him groceries. He did the, like Jimmy does, he did the outwardly showy stuff. Mm-hmm. The stuff that he could point to to someone to justify, hey, I did stuff. I tried. Brought him groceries every day. My God, I picked up the paper for him. I hunted down new ones he'd be interested in. But when... But when Chuck invites him to sit down and talk, he says, no, I'm out of here. And, you know, there are a lot of reasons for that, right? It's super complicated. Yeah, there is a there is much greater context to that than just this scene. We have to remember. 100% agree. When he was working in the mailroom and he wanted to be a lawyer and Chuck was dead set against it. Tried at every turn, basically, to tell him that he was a piece of, sh- a piece of shit who didn't deserve to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Right. I agree. And I think this scene captures the complexity of their relationship yeah. extremely well. This is what I'm talking about when I talk about a lot of these things are recaps mm-hmm. of seasons. I mean, this is early. This is years ago. Yeah. Um, Super that early. This was a concern. And like, you know, him saying, okay, uh, you know, maybe you could we could stay and talk about your cases. I think he doesn't even say talk about the cases. He just says talk. Mm-hmm. And then... Jimmy says, oh, what are we going to talk about? He's like, I don't know, cases, you know, something something to just get him to stay. I think this is a genuine moment of Chuck reaching out to his brother to try and just have a human connection. But then, you know, Jimmy brings up the very valid point. You just want to tell me what I'm doing wrong. Because, yes, that happens a lot in these conversations. And when he says, like, Even if we always end up intention. having the same conversation, yeah. he's right. Mm-hmm. And and. That's what I love about this relationship in particular. It's very complicated. Very. And it's, you know, I, I've been on the fuck Chuck wagon. I've been <laughs> off of it. I'm, I've, I've got like one foot on it and one foot off of it at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I think both of them are to blame for this. I don't want to try and narrow down who's more to blame. No, I, I don't think that they're. And this scene doesn't try and do it. No, which is good. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a very neutral scene for a very complicated relationship, like you said. I do believe that they are equal parts to blame in their lack of reconciliation. I think so. Because Chuck is a little arrogant, and he is only capable of seeing a person as a certain way. I don't know that he believes that people can change. Um, And Jimmy wants... I mean, he wants his brother to like him, for God's sake. Mm Mm-hmm. And when it becomes clear to him that that's never going to happen, he goes hard the other way. Like, all right, well, fuck you. Yeah. It's chicanery and all that stuff. He lost the opportunity for that when Chuck killed himself, right? Yeah. And so now he's just off off the deep end. 
Yep. Uh, I really, well, let's talk about some of the other stuff in this scene, I guess. Okay. I, I love all the descriptions of the crimes that his clients are committing. <laughs> Including waving the weenie in front of Hobby Lobby. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> if you're going to wave your weenie outside of anywhere, it might as well be Hobby Lobby. Yeah. It's where Screw I do it. Guys. <laughs> it's where you, wait. Would, would do it. Oh, if I were to good do it. save. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, the, the best part about this line to me is you, you can actually see Bob Odenkirk enjoying that line in real time. <laughs> yes. Like there is, there is no acting there. He, the acting is him not cracking up because yes. he loves that line. Yes. You can see it on his face. Uh, and that to me is always enjoyable. It's like the Saturday Night Live stuff when they break. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, those, those are always the best moments for me. But yeah, you, he almost break, breaks character here because it's so funny. <laughs> it is good, and it's very it's very classic Jimmy. It's very season one Jimmy. It's nice to see yes. he still can be a little lighthearted about stuff, mm-hmm. but genuinely lighthearted. Yeah, I guess that's the other part of the episode that we haven't really talked about. The part of Bob Odenkirk's performance is he's got to portray <laughs> four different versions. Of the same person. Four different versions of the same character in this yeah. one episode. Yeah. Maybe five. I. It's a lot. It's a mm-hmm. lot. And he does it seemingly effortlessly. You he know, I talked about it. how yeah. Walt is a very different Walt in this flashback than he mm-hmm. was in the previous one. But right. those were two separate. I mean, I'm sure they were shot like back to back, probably either on the same day or mm-hmm. or next day. Um, But yeah, he's. He's doing all this in a single episode, and it's very impressive. It is. Dude's got chops, for sure. Yeah. And he gets to do a lot more. Uh, One last element in this scene that you mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. in the episode, the time machine. (laughs) Yes, the book. book. I love this, because this is an indication that this is his regret, right? Yeah. When you're talking about the time machine and regrets, having that in the scene, and and it brings me back to, like, I th- think there were scenes earlier on where where Jimmy and Chuck were in a tent and he was like reading to him by flashlight. Yep. It wasn't this book. It was Mm-mm. some other book. But it brought me back to that scene, right? It evokes that kind of emotion, that sweeter time in their relationship, the innocent time, and how like not being there anymore is that regret for him. Yeah, absolutely. And you could see, you could look at... If you wanted to, if you wanted to interpret it this way, uh, Chuck reading this book while also just having had this, you know, trying to reach out again to Jimmy and it not working again. Mm-hmm. You could say uh, that could be Chuck's regret. Yeah. He's not yeah. being able to establish a real connection with his brother. Yeah. No, I think you nailed that. So instead of, <laughs> instead of having him ask the fucking time machine question for a third time... Right, in this right. episode, they just, yeah, they do it that way. It's much more subtle, and it's much more true to the, the character of Chuck, because I don't know that he wouldn't have given a real answer to that anyway, unlike oh, the God, other two no. people. No. Both Mike <laughs> and Walt somehow managed to give a sincere answer, but yeah, I don't think Chuck would have. Yeah, I wonder what Chuck's biggest regret would have been. Would it have been not telling Jimmy what his mom said 
on her deathbed would have been refusing to give him a job when he worked his ass off to get a law license, a law degree. Um, would it have been some other moment with like maybe Rebecca? Yeah. I don't know. There are just lots of little hurts in their relationship. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It would be really hard to pinpoint like what was the origin of them not being able to get along anymore. And what did Chuck care about? Like, I'm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Chuck cared deeply about the law. And, you know, like, like Jimmy says in the previous scene, like, that's the one thing that was, that was super affecting. That's the one thing he cared about. I took it away from him. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal. So I wonder if it would be something related to the law. A case he lost. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. His, his bullshit regret as opposed to his real regret. Sure. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? We'll never know because he. Nope. Off himself. Very sad. Mm hmm. So, after this scene, we go forward again to a much less luxurious prison transport. Um, the other inmates on the bus recognize Saul and start chanting his name. What's that about? I really don't get it. I think maybe they're trying to show us that his time in prison is probably not actually going to be all that terrible. Because he's he is known to be a friend to criminals, right? He was sure. a criminal lawyer. A criminal he lawyer. had these commercials that... Everybody has even a little bit of a trash gene inside them loves. Mm -hmm. I love them. Sure. So. Me too. <laughs> okay. That, that, that's how I took it anyway. And, it's, well, and later on, he like he pounds it with the guy who takes over the bread job when mm -hmm. he goes to meet with Kim. So I feel like it will not take very long before he has his own little network inside this prison. I know it's high security, but within that, he's still probably going to be able to get cigarettes and shit. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um that's definitely what it's about. I was kind of Especially surprised his, by that, though. His smile at the end, uh -huh. where he's like, "Yeah, it won't be right. so bad." <laughs> I did this. I guess I was surprised by that, though, because I'm thinking if I'm Saul, I'm worried that there are a lot of people, like <laughs> all the people that you actually helped, that mm -hmm. you were able to deliver on the promise of, you know, this super lawyer who's going to get you off. Well, they're not where you're going. They're on the outside. You, mm -hmm. you helped them. You saved them. But all of everybody who you <laughs> couldn't get off, everybody who you sure. failed, is now on the inside with you. It's Maybe. like a cop going to jail, right? Like uh, you whoa, put me it's away. Way different than a cop going to jail. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not as direct. But mm -hmm. like, I could see a lot of prisoners going, "Hey, man, you said you'd get me off. I I saw your commercials. Right. Better call Saul. No, no, I did. I called Saul, and look where I am." And then shiv him 48 times. Sure, sure. I, yeah, I, I'm looking at it as these are like the friends of the people who he did get off. And I feel like he got most people off yeah. with pretty light sentences. Mm -hmm. That's um, my guess. So those are the friends of the friends of those people. Okay. So it's probably going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what they were saying. It's going to be yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, he's going to make bread. He's going to live fine. He's mm -hmm. going to be out in the yard. Yeah, he'll be he'll be he'll be stuck in this one place. He won't mm -hmm. be able to have nice cars anymore, or yeah. a mansion, or a golden turlet. But he didn't have those things before anyway. So yeah, I don't know. So that was my takeaway from that. Why stare at the guy's sweat bead? That was my other question about this. Like, why is he? Because he seems to be surprised by it, by the sweat. Hmm. 
Is it because it's cold there? Maybe. It's Colorado. I, Just something to fixate on. I don't know. Big juicy, yeah, know. big juicy sweat droplet on a chunky neck. Mm-hmm. Also, did you recognize that guy? The the first inmate who turned around? No. I kind of did, but it might just be from other shows. Yeah, could be. I couldn't tell if I was supposed to know him from this show or not. Hmm. Nope. All right. Well, we, so we follow Saul to, or Jimmy, I guess, to the prison bakery, then to an interview room where Kim's waiting. They share a smoke like old times, and she walks out of the prison to Jimmy's finger guns. Mm-hmm. It's very sweet. Oh, yeah. It brings everything full circle, right? It, it feels like a reconciliation to me, and yeah, it's very, it it's is. delightfully round. Yeah, his his scam, his <laughs> you know, minor scam on Kim worked, right? Mm-hmm. And, and she believes his confession and his apology. She's, she calls him Jimmy. Mm-hmm. When she sees him, hi, Jimmy, in that very loving tone. Yeah, because I, I look back at Jimmy, and Jimmy was... Jimmy, when she knew him, was a guy who was trying to do the right thing. Yeah. I mean, he he was not slipping Jimmy. Mm-hmm. He no. was just Jimmy McGill, he the was... mailroom guy, yep. the guy that was, you know, organizing the, the betting pool. The guy who, I mean, for the office. looked up to his brother, even yeah. if he didn't necessarily like him. He looked up to him. The guy who was busting his ass to get a law license mm-hmm. and do the right thing. That kernel of goodness. Yeah. And now that's back, right? Yeah. That's what the cigarette means. She wants to believe that it is. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it is. I mean, the, and I I really love that moment and combined with the finger guns. Mm -hmm. um, The finger guns to me, and you might have a different interpretation of this, is to tell her he's okay with his decision, he has no regrets. The finger guns are not like, haha, I better call Saul. Oh, and I'm yeah, no, sti- no, no, I'm no. always going <laughs> to keep being me, baby. It's like, I took I'm it good as, with this. I took the, it as, yeah, don't, don't worry about me too much. Yeah. And I'm right in thinking that these guys are definitely going to keep in touch, right? I, I don't I see feel, why not. I feel like yeah. they're going to. This is not the last time they're going to talk to each other, especially now that so. everything's everything's out in the open, uh-huh. basically. They're, all the dirty laundry has been aired. Mm-hmm. It is fresh clean and yeah he's stuck in jail but at least they can have a phone call every week and maybe she never needs to hear yep yep (laughs) yep again yeah i do wonder what her florida life is gonna look like oh she's gonna change it it. you think so you think she's gonna be a little more proactive be a little bit well she she's volunteering at that pro bono office so she's already taken steps right right I think between that, between the Cheryl uh, confession, yeah, getting that off her shoulders, and then getting to some place where she can feel good about Jimmy, mm-hmm. and and then heal from that uh, aspect of this, yeah, I think I don't know why she wouldn't go back to a life because <laughs> she didn't have a life in Florida. It was nothing. Yeah, I mean, she she cut her hair and dressed nicely too. Uh huh. Not necessarily like the Kim that we remember, but certainly a a shinier version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I think she's gonna be just fine. I think so too. I I really I really, 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 really like where the series leaves us here. Oh yeah. I like that these two are, you know, basically okay again. 
but but Jimmy is still suffering consequences. Mm-hmm. I like that they managed to thread that needle. And so is Kim. I mean, yeah, Jim yeah. didn't didn't get away from consequences. No. <laughs> She's just got a civil suit hanging over her head. That could possibly. I like that they leave that up in the air. Yeah. I don't need to know that Kim's going to get sued and she's never going to make a cent in her life that doesn't go to Cheryl. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also like that she has given up a lot of the stuff that that was part of who she was before. You know, these people have had to change themselves. Yeah. Because of these events, you know, she gave up practicing the law. Um. In that she way, might get back into that it. That high intensity, right? Corporate lawyer way. Yeah. Yeah, I think she loved that life. I think she also loved the life with um, that that she was looking at with the Howard or the the Sandpiper money, right? If they could mm-hmm. convince Howard to you know go crazy and then get that money, she could open up a pro bono office. I think this is like a scaled down version that's going to be less satisfying, but still satisfying. It's something. It's better than nothing. Yeah, and maybe she just does this, you know, nights and weekends, yeah. um, volunteer work, and then she's working at some stupid sprinkler place or a pet shop or whatever. But at least she's doing some kind of service to her her ethics. Yeah. And then she visits Jimmy once a month or whatever in, mm-hmm. in jail and sneaks him a file and he breaks out. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's a perfect place to leave them. I'm super happy with the way this resolved. Yeah, I'm satisfied. And that's yeah. really all you can ask for. You know what else I'm satisfied with? <sighs> this episode of mm. the podcast. Mm. Are you? 100% satisfied. I'm so satisfied with this episode that I'm going to punt. And then this is going to be, you're going to like this. Don't worry, audience. You're, <laughs> this is not diminishing the content in any way. I'm going to punt all the feedback to next week. Oh, we are going to have a podcast juicy. next week, a wrap up podcast. Yes. I think a, like I said, I have to punt this feedback. We're already an hour and a half in and there is a <laughs> metric boatload of feedback, uh, that has come in. I'm trying to read a lot of it. And so I have like 20 pages of feedback here <laughs> that we have in no way enough time to get to. So we're going to do that next week uh, along with a wrap-up for the series, just say our final farewells uh, for this show. But we do have other plans. Yeah, we may be announcing a a new project if any of you are interested in that. I mean, I think I'm okay to announce it right now. Oh, shit. We can can at least tell people the name. We don't have any content for you (laughs) yet, and we don't know exactly when this is going to come out, but I want to let people know because we've had a lot of people write in and ask, Mm -hmm. are you guys going to be doing... Any other shows, and we kind of hinted around it last episode, but I think since then we've talked about it, and I think we definitely are going to do a podcast called. called you want to say it together? Brendan, Brendan done, done that. that, and it's going to be a Brendan Fraser catalog retrospective <laughs> where we're going to review Brendan Fraser movies, TV shows. The show that nobody asked for, but you're going to get. Brendan Fraser, there's a bit of a renaissance happening. Renaissance. Yeah. So I'm, we might've even said this last time. I don't know. We, we might've said we had the idea for it, but yeah, we're yeah settled on that. Can actually um, do it. And that's great because I like a lot of Brendan Fraser movies. I know one of your favorite movies yes. is a Brendan Fraser movie. The Mummy. That's mm-hmm. like top tier Probably top five movies for me. Nice. Yeah. Jurassic Park. Jurassic the Park. Mummy. The Mummy. Um, 
Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah. We I guess did I'm, watch a, that I'm recently. a basic millennial, but what do you, what do you want from me? <laughs> Ghostbusters. I'm, I'm also a basic millennial because I love those <laughs> movies too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's Airheads. There's Encino Man. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff. We're not, I, I don't know how we're going to like format this yet. We're talking about ideas. We've got some mm-hmm. fun stuff that I think is going to be enjoyable uh, planned for this podcast. So yeah, we'll do a wrap up next week and then we'll let you know more next week about the release schedule release date format all that stuff i'd love to to bang out a trailer and get that out there for people yeah that'd be cool but we got to record something to have a trailer so true yeah we'll see how that goes um in the meantime before next week go ahead and send feedback to bcs at baldmove.com uh with your thoughts on maybe not necessarily the finale because i have plenty of that Mm-hmm. so far uh but on the series as a whole like yeah you know what you what you thought about it everybody's gonna be asking the oh big question God. which is better breaking bad or better call saul so answer that yourself so yeah right and in, maybe we'll and, tally the votes yes that, that sounds perfect <laughs> right in and say which is your favorite better call saul or breaking bad uh and we will tally it and we'll come up with the the official score yeah exciting yeah once and for all absolutely uh so yeah i'm excited to do all that stuff me too but i guess that means this is the end of the podcast and we'll have to just see you guys next week Mm. so thanks for listening and until then i'm jim i'm alexis bye